Good, eh? Mate, I've got my cup of coffee and my comfy chair because when I ask you this question, I think I need time for you to answer it. <laughs> How'd you come to be a house with two dads? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, look, it happened God, almost 10 years ago now. We um, made the decision that we wanted to be parents and uh, we looked into foster caring and we ended up that we were selected as carers and went through all the, the training and the, and the rigmarole that took about 12 months to get there and um, ended up with a, a child in our care for the long term, um, which was quite surprising. Um, and that led us to becoming a little family with uh, two dads and one son. What about at the time when you were trying to adopt, were there many blocks to a same-sex couple adopting? Oh, sorry, uh, being foster parents? Yeah, um, absolutely. We were the first same-sex male uh, couple in the fostering agency that we went through. So um, unbeknownst to us at the time, there was actually some roadblocks that were kind of coming up in the background. Um, and we had some people that advocated on our behalf. So it was a, it was a little touch and go. Um, but overall, um, they, on the outside, were quite um, accepting and forthcoming in, in processing our application. But um, we got there in the end. Okay, so you get approved, and then what happened? So it was interesting, actually, when we went to the very first I- interview, I suppose, to go and say that we were interested. Um, the two ladies that were there, they kind of looked at us, and they looked at each other, and they said, "Look, I know this is crazy, but I, we think there's this kid that you know would be the perfect fit for you. And we were kind of taken a bit aback because it was you know, just an interview. Yeah. And then you fast forward to almost 12 months later, um, and the child that they had talked about on that very first day um, still hadn't found a placement. Um, and he was living in a, a residential facility. So uh, it's a, a house where he just lived um, on his own, three-bedroom house. Oh, um, and just had a Yeah. How old? <laughs> uh, he was nine years old. And no, a nine-year-old child living on his own just with people coming and going. Yeah. <gasps> and yeah. He'd been there for two years and had um, a different youth worker sort of rotating through every 24 hours uh, of a team of three. And um, it just so happened that, yeah, that in that 12 months while we'd been processing, he was still waiting. And so that very first child I mentioned on that very first day was still waiting um, when we were approved. And they proceeded with that. And so sort of once we were approved, they went and said, okay, this is who we're talking about. Do we want to have a meeting? And we, uh, we got to go and meet him for the very first time at that house, actually. Uh, to rock up and uh, knock on the door and this little brown-haired boy, (laughs) little brown eyes, stuck his head through the door and then screamed and ran away. So he ran away. He obviously came back. (laughs) You sat down with him and then a process unfolded where you were seeing him how much, like then what happened? So we had that that first um, night there. We got to see the house and have dinner and pizza and uh, then they just kind of rolled it out sort of slowly across about visiting about once every week or every two weeks or so and eventually it kind of got closer and closer to that um, that moving in time and he came and he would have sleepovers and sort of stay for one or two nights and stay for three and four and we got close to a September school holidays so it's actually our 10 or 11 year anniversary coming up um, where he went into the school holidays where he would stay and then not return back and would stay with us and start the new semester um, at school, a uh, new school term with us um, and had a little goodbye party back at his old house and started his new life in his new house with us. What was the moment when you realised you guys were getting the trust of this young young man, this boy, where he felt safe with you guys, you know, and, and like he wanted to live where, where you lived? 
Uh, there was a cute little phone call he had because he was having sort of phone contact in, in between um, when he was doing visits. And I don't remember exactly when, but there was a phone call that we had. And um, he just was very quiet for a little bit. And he said, oh, I, I want to tell you guys something, um, if that's okay. And we said, yes. And he said, um, I, I think I love you guys. Is that okay? Um, oh, <laughs> did you burst into tears? I would have. Oh, yeah. It was like, Ugh. yeah, heart, heart-wrenchingly beautiful moment. Um, so, yeah, always remember and cherish that moment. Um, it was just beautiful. So we kind of knew then that I think that we uh, we found something special. It's Robin, Terry and Bob on Brisbane's 97.3. What does he call you? Uh, so that was another funny one. <laughs> um I was down with him in the park one afternoon and uh, I think he'd moved in already and he was trying to figure it out and he kind of sat down and he was talking to me and we'd been kicking a ball around and he was like, so since I'm going to be living here now, um, like, what do I, what do I call you guys? I said, well, you know, that's up to you. And he's like, well, like one could be dad, but like, what would the other one be? (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't know, mate. I said, you know, what are some other things? And he went, oh, what if one of you is daddy? So we got dad and we got daddy came out of that. And um, I got dad and my husband got daddy. That, that's, and you appreciate that he's trying to make sense of his world with you guys, but also with his his own world back at school or back wherever else. When, you know, he's, he's looking at the shape of other people's families and, and trying to say how he can, he can express that to his friends too. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was kind of an evolving process as well. Um, for him, the, the comprehension wasn't too hard. Um, I think it was more the excitement too. Um, he'd never actually had a dad his entire life. Um, so suddenly he had two. And he was like, yeah, I've scored. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't uh, too much, I suppose, apprehension for him. He would he would come for wall at, at um, kids and parents and be like, yeah, my dad. And, you know, that was it. Did you have any pushback? No, not too much. People were really, really, really good. You know, there was never anything that was there was a visible pushback, and I think people saw the the positive effect that it had on his life. Did you guys find yourself taking on different roles when the parenting? I guess based on your own natural personality, who's a hugger, who's not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, my husband was you know the authoritarian, and I was the softer one, if you will. <laughs> so you know, he knew he knew where to get the hard love and the soft love from, and um, you know. Uh, I'm much more of the creative, chaotic mess in the house, um, and my husband's much more of the the organised, domesticated one as well. So you know, have these interchanging you know household roles as you do in any house. Um, do does he have any contact with his biological family at all? Uh, yeah, um, and he has across his entire childhood. Unfortunately, not all, but uh, has had some. So he's, you know. And for people's arguments that, and those that have pushed back, um, have said, you know, they need a mother. Um, he's always had access to his mother, and also, you know, always had access to other women within our family as well. And that was, I suppose, the mind-blowing thing for him was he came into a huge family. So my husband is one of ten. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of an eight-ish Brady bunch mix. Yeah. So he's. Got, he's gone from minimal to uncles and aunties and cousins and grandmothers and grandfathers and grandpops and pas and it's <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. It's ended up so well and so amazing, but there must have been hard times. I mean, this isn't just a oh. rose-coloured glasses, 
you know, fairy version of what it's like to, to be two dads with a foster kid. Can you tell us some of the hardest stuff? Um, oh, it's one of the hardest things we've ever done in our entire lives. Um, and it was incredibly challenging. You know, just fostering in itself, irrespective of being two fathers, was so phenomenally um, <clears throat> challenging. You you know, you don't know the behaviours are going to crop up and you don't know the things that are going to happen. And it's a constant push forward and a constant battle to, um, you know, remind this young person who's had so much suffering and disappointment in their lives that these people are here to stay and they're never going to let you down and they're never going to walk away and they're never going to leave you and give up on you, um, which is, you know, this constant demon that they live with in their heads because it's happened so many times before. Well, nice work, Dad, and nice work, Daddy. He's on his way, huh? Yes, and uh, he's not there yet, you know. The, uh, it doesn't get any easier when they turn 18, in fact, you know. No, it doesn't. <laughs> life in his head got a, a lot harder at 18, so he's still got a few years to find his feet, but we'll still be there holding his hands when he needs it. Would you do it again? Yes. <laughs> um, it's a big thing, but, you know, it, it, you look back on the hard stuff and then you just look back at all those times when his eyes lit up and, you know, you got to see the world that... Um, creative for him and it's it's a hard thing to say you couldn't do again oh thank you so much michael would you recommend fostering to other people absolutely give it a go look into it um it it can't hurt to find out what your options are and whether it's something that um, is right for you and your life thank you so much no worries thank you guys it's robin terry and bob